different. So I was really thinking, how do we do this differently? And I was actually going to ask you, what was the best disease you've ever gotten? Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 165 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the professor of pens, pencils, and protractors, the one and only Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby. How the hell are you today? I am doing fantastic. I am a little perplexed. I can't remember the last time I used a protractor, but um, I'm excited about the title nonetheless. Uh, things are good here. I'm looking forward to a crazy September, so I'm trying to wrap stuff up here in August. How about you? Uh, doing great. Um, it's, it's a busy week here at Promo Corner, as it always is. We've got video shoots. We've got our creative director in town. Yikes. Just a lot going on, which is always a good thing. But you know what else is good, Kirby? What's that, Bill? Oh, that'd be the Good Strongs over at Bam Bams. You know about that custom headwear program. We've talked about it before. They're well known for those fully custom caps designed by your team, their team, anybody's team. Could be you know, the team over there in Saskatchewan. It really doesn't matter. It's going to be delivered to your customer in 30 days or less from sample approval. You know that, right, Kirby? I do know that, and I'm excited about it. You That's should be. <laughs> Even better news. Bam Bams has added factories in Vietnam, so they're not going to be impacted by any of the tariffs that have been threatened moving forward. So Stocker Custom, let Bam Bams be your first and only thought for truly custom headwear. Kirby, I'm excited to be here with you today. And I am excited to be here with you, my friend. And you know, you remember this podcast is also available not just on Promo Corner, also available on Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, so you can just search Promo Corner in that and uh, you can subscribe and, and happy listening, right? Right. We're like ZZ Top. We are nationwide. We are bad. We are nationwide. So, Kirby, are you ready to record at a sterling silver uh, level this morning? That is what I'll be shooting for, sterling silver. All right. Why don't you, uh, why don't you fire us off this morning? So, um, I just came across this topic, and I thought it was one that you would have some some opinions on. Um, it's actually a, a topic that I found from LinkedIn where it was talking about the idea that um, can uh, job candidates be overqualified? So okay. um, candidates with like great qualifications sometimes find themselves overlooked for jobs because um, you know people who are hiring won't, they think they won't be as committed because they'll be looking for the next role if they're quote unquote overqualified. Other right. managers feel that they won't get along with their colleagues or could even usurp their own positions. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. I was I was fascinated by this because I, as I both someone who at one point was looking for a job, but as I look at candidates' qualifications, I do think about that. I think, and I was curious to know your take on it. Um, so it, I think it's an interesting topic. You know, it's one of those chicken and egg things, uh, right. you know, especially when you think about the, the flip side of that. You know, you, you got to get experience to get a job, but I got to have a job to get experience. Right. So this is the kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. I, I think it's so case dependent, to be honest with you. And, and I think it's really, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to straddle a fence here. Sure. I think there are times where... You know, I'll give a perfect example. When, when I was um, kind of between jobs and, and I launched Brandivate, mm -hmm. you know, I gave it a certain amount of time to go forward 
um, whether I could make that work for me and my family before I, and I would half jokingly say, or I get a job at Home Depot. Sure. I know I'd be overqualified to work at Home Depot, not because I'm a, a, you know, an awesome uh, you know, carpenter or anything like that, but it wouldn't be a long-term gig for me. I'd right. be doing that until I got something else. So I actually had thought that that might be against me right. uh, to do that. So I, I, boy, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. I, I guess is I think one of the things is communication, and you know right. me, all, everything always comes back to communication. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're upfront and say, "Look, I'm going to put my heart and soul into this, but I am looking for uh, you know a job in marketing or sales or, or something else," I think if you have that honest conversation, I think people might be a little more willing to take on someone with more experience, knowing that. They will do a good job, although it might be for a shorter time. I have no idea. The second I said that, it sounded stupid. So honestly, I don't even know the answer. <laughs> no, I think you. I think you hit it, though. Um, I think the challenge with uh, folks who've run into this is, uh, my guess is, they're being disqualified before they get a chance to talk, right? So they're looking. So people, and that's certainly had the case for me. I'm like, you know, maybe I'm looking for a video producer, and then somebody with 25 years of experience who lives in New York City sends in their resume. I'm like, oh my God, they're not going to want to do this, this, or this. And so that goes in the circular file before I get a chance to talk to them. And yeah. but I but I think that to your point, um, and I actually had this conversation with somebody about a week or so ago, where I'm like, look, you being overqualified is the elephant in the room, right? And so whether it's a part of your cover letter, whether it's a part of an email or a phone call to say, look, I know that you know based on the paper I might you know be overqualified, but I'm in a season of my life where this is actually what I want to do. Right. Um, and so I, when I read this, I'm like, no, I actually do think it's a thing. And the reality of it is, and you know this, most hiring processes that I know of, and again, I'm hardly an expert on this, but especially with bigger organizations, part of what they're trying to do is disqualify you. Right. Right? Like they're looking to, okay, they don't have a college degree. They're out, with, you know, which is a separate discussion. They don't have sure. this. They do have this. And um, just so that they can narrow it because they get so many applications. So I think it is a thing. And uh, I thought it was uh, one, since you have recently done some hiring, you might have a take on. So that's cool. I, I don't know if my take was good, bad, but it was a take. So we've, <laughs> take, right. we've taken a take. That, that should, we should make a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also still want to develop a T-shirt that, or have a T-shirt that says, don't do your best, do my best. <laughs> okay. So, All right, Kirby, I've got a great topic, and I've decided it's a great topic. Therefore, it's a great topic from our good friends over at Promo Marketing. I think okay. you're familiar with those fine folks. I am. have a great uh, story about a Grossman Marketing Group uh, launching something called Swag Cycle. Have you seen this? I have not. This, honestly, I love this. So okay. uh, Ben Grossman, who owns Grossman Market Marketing, started uh, this thing called Swag Cycle, and it's a startup focused on responsibly managing the life cycle of branded merchandise. So what the idea behind it is, is they're going to allow companies to repurpose their unwanted branded items in a responsible, ethical, and affordable way. I love this. So it's it's t-shirts, hats, other textiles, all the way to bags, mugs, pens, event signage, and they have a very simple three-step process. You're, they're going to assess the inventory of the unwanted product, they're going to confirm the brand guidelines to see if the excess items can live on with charitable partners, but okay. if they can't, they'll be recycled. And then they'll match items with either the appropriate charity or a best-in-class um, recycling facility. And, and I love this quote. While recycling is a good option, donating to a worthy cause is the best choice. Mm. 
I want what took so damn long for someone to do this? <laughs> I think it's so great because we all joke about, you know, there are a bunch of people running around in you know the bushes of uh, of Africa wearing Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl champions T-shirts. <laughs> right. They printed up that when they didn't win. Right, right, right. And and I know there's a bunch wearing Texas Rangers World Series champions 2011 ones. But we're not going to talk about that. But what what took so long? And and would you is this something that would speak to you as a promotion products distributor? Number one, number two. Do you think this is something that's really also worth sharing with your clients? To say, hey, look. We now manage it from from you know beginning to end, the alpha and omega, if you will. Kirby, your take, please, as we listen carefully. Yeah, no, I, I actually once you started talking about, it, I'm like, I, I do believe I did some headline reading on this, and I think it's a great idea. Um, and to your point, you go. I think there are distributors, probably suppliers out there in the industry who are doing this in a very very tiny, less organized way. Right. right? Like. Um, you know, for us, whether it was the, um, you know, the, where we did the, the clothing drive, right? Mm-hmm. Like as a totally different way of doing it, but it's a way to recycle um, some of those uh, promotional items for sure. Um, I've seen people do it with schools. I think it's a great idea. And so the idea that you can, you know, we all have excess. We live yeah. in a culture where there's excess of not just promotional items, but just excess everything. And the idea that we would do something with it in a positive way is refreshing, is the word that comes to my mind. Um, and I am super excited to hear that the Grossman Group has taken this on, and kudos to them. I think that's a it's a great idea. I'll be, you know, I've, it's one of those where I have a bunch of questions. Is it Everybody, everything has to go through them, or can other distributors participate? I don't know if you know the details of that sort of thing, but I think it's worth looking into for well, sure. Well, you can go look at that at uh, swagcycle.net, and uh, you know, I think again, I think any sort of initiative like this that puts promotional products in a better light, right? Um, that um, that uh, makes us, you know, a lot more ethically responsible for right. not only beginning of sourcing, I think we forget that the end of the life cycle too, and that's what I love mm-hmm. it. It's kind of taking care of it at the end. So I, I wanted like to it. share that really great article by, like I said, our good friends over at Promo Marketing. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's great, and I, I hope I hope it really takes off. I yeah. think it's important. Think All right, Kirby, great. do you have another topic you'd like to regale us with today? I do. Um, okay, so you and I have talked about the idea that uh, you know the handwritten thank you note still has power, right? Um, that, And I've talked about it a lot where I think by doing like whether it's a 30-day gratitude challenge, it helps to shape sort of your mindset. So mm-hmm. um, because it forces you to look for good in your world. I always say that if you do, you know, 30 days of thank you notes, the first three, four, five days are pretty easy. Yeah. After that, you have to really think about it. And I was thinking about this uh, this past week. So you know, my daughter is on a cruise ship in the Pacific. Correct. Uh, I'm going to go see her before working. Two. She's working. To be clear, so people who don't know, she's working on the cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. So she's dancing and singing, mm-hmm. and and just like everything else, uh, you know, it at some point becomes a grind, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, she, it's a great gig. So, but it's you know, seven days a week, and it's all that sort of thing. And so I was talking to her the other day, and I said in order to reframe sort of her mindset around it, I'm like, okay, your new challenge (laughs) is to take a picture on, and she's got a big Instagram following. Um, I'm like, take a picture every single day of something that makes you happy. Now, maybe it's a picture of your, your, 
uh, a sunset. Maybe it's a picture of you and your, your dance crew, but something that you are consciously, actively looking for that makes you smile. And uh -huh. I told her, like, do views from the cruise or something, you know, right. just uh, from a hashtag perspective. So I guess my question is, is this a way that you can create happiness in your life in addition, it's like the, the modern version of the thank you note. Do you think that that can have impact by by making you look for things that are positive? Well, I think it definitely can have an impact on your mindset, right? right. I mean, look, we all have a choice. I, you know, it's very simply put, I can look at a glass that's either half full or half empty. And it's my mindset that's going to, it, it does not change the amount of volume of liquid in a vessel. Right. Um, so I think anything that helps you frame up anything positive is a good thing. Right. Will it create those positive feelings in others? I don't know. Who's, who's for me to decide, right? That's not for me to decide. Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, I look at, you know, if I'm blown through Instagram, I, I gravitate toward the pictures that are positive or, or make me feel good. But I think more importantly, it's going to be for her. Yes. Uh, it'll help frame her mind, you know, looking for the good in things. And that's exactly um, what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think so. Look, you know. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I, I, my, my thing about it is, is you know, and I'm sure you're like this with your kids, where you see them going through cycles mm -hmm. that you you yourself went through, right? Right. And so I, I remember back, I was probably 24, 25, and I was in a job that I really liked, working with people I really liked, and I got in a rut. I got in a funk. And mm -hmm. I remember going, like, you know, even being fairly young, going, well, this sucks. What's wrong with me? Like, right. you know, and at the time I made it a point to change the stations on the radio I was listening to. I like I it was early on in sort of my development of understanding that you can be intentional about your mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing her go through it and I'm like, OK, how can what are some things that she can do intentionally to to feed good in? Does that make sense? Oh, it does. It makes total sense. And you know what else you could do to really be intentional about feeding good to the world, Kirby? What's that? That'd be using the good people of Gold Star. <laughs> I love it. What That's a transition. Right. Yeah, thank you. You know, <laughs> we talk about how they're well known in our industry as a fantastic, fun company. They produce really super high quality writing instruments. Uh, they're the clear leader in the category. But what does that even mean? What does clear leader even mean? Well, you know, that's really a marketing term that a lot of people just use and throw out there ca carelessly, Kirby, and it hurt, hurts me on the inside <laughs> that people do that. Yeah. Um, but they actually want to tell you why they're the leader. And one of the big reasons is that is their uh, capacity, which leads into speed. Gold Star, and I don't know if you know this, Kirby, but Gold Star has more full color and laser engraving decoration capacity than any writing instrument supplier in the industry. And wow. because of that, that has the they have the quickest turnaround times, the fastest standard turnaround times in the industry. Full color wrap and bestsellers are 24 hours and 72 hour production on just about everything else. So if you want to learn more and get some great ideas on how pens can be just more than a promotional writing instrument, sign up for your free brand story toolkit by visiting them at goldstarpens.com slash toolkit. You're not going to be sorry you did. Great transition there, Kirby. Thanks. Yeah, it was, that was amazing. Awesome. Hey, I don't know if you saw this. So okay. there was, uh, are you familiar with uh, one of the states in our union called Nebraska, correct? You've heard of Nebraska before? I've heard of it, yes. Excellent. So um, they have a brand, they're doing the tourism board there. It's doing a really cool branding thing, and it just got approved by the state legislature. Have you seen this? I have not. Tell me more. It, it's uh, Kirby. I, I'm so glad you asked. I will tell you more. <laughs> so they have a thing. It's it's their tagline is Nebraska, 
it's not for everyone. <laughs> I love it. Which I love. I do too. <laughs> and so what I love about this, it reminds me of, of a good friend of mine, and I think you've met him as well, Dave Rendell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rendell, uh, embr- embrace your weaknesses. So he wrote Freak Factor. He was co-author with our friend Stan uh, Phelps with uh, Pink Goldfish. So what his philosophy is, is what makes us weird really makes us wonder- wonderful. Or another way he would say, your flaws make you awesome, so you're flossom. Yes. And, and one of the examples they use in Purple Goldfish is um, it's, it's a cough syrup in Canada called Buckley's Mixture. Okay. And it, it apparently it's extremely, it's, a, it's like one of the worst tasting things on the planet. <laughs> it's almost notorious for how bad it tastes. But it also is notorious because it works. And so instead of avoiding the fact and trying to say, hey, you know, it's good or whatever, they changed their tagline in, in the 90s, I think, and their tagline is it tastes awful and it works and their sales shot up 550% and so uh, I wanted to, with the Nebraska example and embracing your weirdness Kirby or all of our, our weirdness how are you embracing your flaws to help you stand out wow that is by the way I absolutely love the idea that Nebraska saying we're not for everyone it's funny because last year I think it was uh, one of the most um, and I think we've talked about this a little bit as I actually wrote a blog post at one point because we were having this discussion internally about regardless we all want to be liked or at least you know I like the idea that someone might like me but no matter what I do (laughs) people won't and one of the most read blog posts I wrote last year was called I'm not for everyone Um, and so I guess to the idea that what am I doing I think that for us, it's about, and I've given this a little bit of thought recently, is doubling down on the things that got us where we are. So I think um, though I create a lot of content, um, whether it's videos or, or, or blogs or whatever, the two things that seem to resonate is when we are silly and joyful, because mm-hmm. I think that is who we are. And or when, ironically, when I talk about community, like mm-hmm. on video stuff that I do, when I actually talk about Kashokton in the community, those tend to get a lot of uh, response. And it's funny because I always think, well, that's going to narrow me, right? Like if I'm right. if I'm only talking about my community in Kashokton, then it's going to narrow the audience. Well, what I found is, is it's expanded it, and I think I think that that goes to what you're saying is that you know so many times if we just embrace who we specifically are and the things that we are really truly most passionate about or that we are who we are authentically that's when we tend to resonate and it's when we write things or do things that are more like hey this won't make anybody mad (laughs) but it won't inspire anybody either right those you know those are met as you like to say with the collective yawn and so so i think that those are the things that pop into my mind that i want to be more joyful i want to be more uh funny and fun and and silly and then i want to embrace the idea of uh, being passionate about my community yeah yeah so i I thought about this obviously since i came with the topic and i thought about okay what flaws am i embracing that helps me stand out and what i came back with was i've been very and it's very cathartic for me. So on some level, it is a little selfish because it, it, it's beneficial to me. But sharing my failures very publicly. Mm. Um, I think people, I've gotten so much feedback from people that they really resonate with the fact that um, not only do I fail, but sometimes I fail epically. And I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. Sh- but, but we all do. And, yes. and, but I share them. 
I mean, yeah. you know, we've, we've talked about being fired and miss, you know, screwing up this or screwing up that. I think that's one of the things. I think the other thing that I've really um, embraced in terms of a flaw of mine is I have this need to share my journey. Um, and sometimes you don't really want to do that, but I just can't help myself. <laughs> and I think when people see whomever have whatever degree of success they have, no one really shares the journey how to get there. Right. Or if they do, it's it's usually downplayed a little bit until they write their autobiography or whatever. Right, right. It's posthumous. I, yeah. And so I like sharing the journey and and. and so the other flaw that I think I have is that I do embrace definitely is um, I, I can be I, I don't sometimes have a filter, um, mm. and and that's obviously on this podcast has served me well and it has not served me well <laughs> times, but but that authenticity I think is, is something that makes me uniquely me that I you know I, I say it all the time whether I'm on this podcast. Uh, I'm standing in front of 150 people speaking, or I'm sitting at a bar having a beer. I'm really the same guy. Right. Um, I'm going to have the same tone inflections. I'm going to have the same comments. I'm going to say the same things. And so I think that's an interesting, or at least for me, that's, that's what I looked at when I'm thinking about embracing our flaws. From a corporate standpoint, I looked at what Promo Corner, what we're doing. You know, we're not for everyone. Um, right. we, and so we, what I've, we want to grow with companies that are, are looking to grow and do it differently. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody's already got a great marketing plan, that's awesome. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Right. But there are a lot of folks out there that you know don't have that. And we can help them with that. So it's a very interesting thing. It's hard to. It's really hard to kind of. Okay, this flaw is how I can really differentiate. So it's it's a. I thought it was an interesting comment. No, and I, I I absolutely love it. And and also you know we talk about it from a um, our own perspective, but I think it's something that we have internally worked on trying to help our clients do as well. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Going, um, you know, we, we work with a company uh, in north of us that is, you know, overall they sell, you know, um, excavate, excavating equipment. It's not yeah. an overly exciting thing, but you're like, okay, how can you make it different? And uh, right. it, th those are actually kind of fun projects to work on because if you can make the mundane fun, mm -hmm. then, you know, you can get to the top of the field. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, you got another topic for us, Kirby? Yeah, I, so this might be a quick one, but okay. Um, one of the things that you see is um, I'm fascinated by, I don't know if you are, but I am fascinated by, and it just happened literally last night, is people in our industry who move jobs, uh -huh. and especially who, I, you know, if you know them, if uh -huh. you respect them, um, just in the interest of transparency, um, I'm going to mispronounce her name, but Alyssa Inkrot. You that, pronounced it correctly, Alyssa. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So she just went to Raining Rose. Yep. I, I've met her uh, once or twice, and I've just been impressed by her. So when I saw her moving, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, and that seems like a good fit. And I think that's what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Like from the outside, you're like, oh, that's going to work well for them. Or, ooh, I'm not so sure about that culture fit. Right. Um, are, are you as fascinated by that as I am? Because I think social media makes it way easier to be a stalker on this. Um, I don't know where I sit on this, honestly. I've never really thought about it. I think, you know, we all want to be supportive of other people. And so... Do um, we? Well, that's what <laughs> I was about to say. So I think there's, I think there's always the public support. Yep. And then there's the private... I can't believe they got that job. And I'm not specifically speaking of <laughs> no, Alyssa or anything. not at all, yeah. Uh, I'm not. But I mean, there, but I think there's always some of that. Uh, some of the little backbiting or, you know... I, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I think there's always going to be some of that little resentment of, well, I would have loved that job. Or, right, right. I don't know. I think social media, you know, one of the downsides I see of social media is is the really the proliferation of phoniness. Mm. Um, so everybody likes everything. Everything's awesome. <laughs> Man, this is great. Every meal's awesome. My kids are the best. My, you know. <laughs> well, it actually reminds me of it's one of the you were talking about being authentic or whatever earlier. Yeah. The uh, I think it's hotels.com. Uh-huh. The Captain Obvious. Yeah. When he says, "Don't hate like." Like when they're talking about, I can't believe they're on that trip. Don't hate like their trip. Book your right. own. And the idea of hate liking something mm-hmm. is hilarious to me. Yeah. That is like I that it's foreign to me. But um, uh, but for me, like I I actually am fascinated. I, that is one of the few things that sort of really interests me when I see good people moving around the industry. I yeah. that that is something that's like the closest thing to reality TV that I care about. No, I totally get that, and I. And I've talked about this before in the podcast, but I almost think in those situations, if you're going to like on something, comment. You have to comment. Mm-hmm. I think I tell you this. I get, you know, we all get very lazy. I'm no different than anybody else. And so I'll f- blow through Facebook like, like, ooh, I love that. Ooh, dude, like, 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 oh, wow. Like, 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 like. And I'm ba- I don't even know what I'm liking. I mean, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Half the time, I don't even know what I'm liking. It's like, I know that person. I should probably like what they posted. I'm moving on. If I'm being straight up honest with people, yeah. And I do this. I do what I call it's my it's my quasi detox of social media about uh, twice a year, for two weeks. If I like anything, I have to comment. So if I do any sort of like, love, wow, sad, happy, angry, whatever, I have to comment, and it really gets you in a mindset of truly engaging with people. Right. I agree. Um, and so I think when, especially when someone moves the jobs or something that or has a life event let's call it that a life event mm. i think if you don't comment why even bother right i mean if you can't put a simple congratulations or happy for you or what a great move or they're lucky to have you and mean it by the way and mean it don't like it just move on <laughs> pretend you didn't see it yeah so i like that that's good all right so cool. let's congrats Alyssa. Yes, absolutely. No, Alyssa, Alyssa's great. I will tell you, I, I, I know her a little bit, fairly well. She was on the Spark Work Group and had, had spent some time with her when I was in Charlotte. She's a terrific, terrific lady. And I'll tell you what, uh, Lindsay Davis is building such a team yeah. at Raining Rose. You've got Heather Mangold, who's awesome. John Cudahy just went over there, who's fantastic. Alyssa Inkrot, they've got a group over there. Mason Lynn still there. Uh, Nathan Robson. I mean, they, I'll tell you what. You talk about a team that yep. you can just see from a distance coming together and coalescing. Wow. So, yeah, yeah that's some good stuff. Okay, real, real quick, Kirby. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I have like 865 topics here. Let me shuffle my papers <laughs> to find the right one. Here we go. So you have clients. I do. Certainly all over Ohio. <laughs> Can't be smart ass. <laughs> You have certainly clients all over Ohio. I think you have clients in Michigan, I would assume. I yep. Clients in Pennsylvania, surrounding states. What's the farthest client you have? Just real quick. This will help me set this up. What's the, LA. From LA. Okay. So how do you know when it's time to visit a long-distance mm. client or prospect in person? Yeah, and I, I have some question. thoughts, and I can answer if you'd like. No, it's fine. Uh, so I really, and this is going to sound like a little bit of a homer, but um, so one of the things I really try to do is to uh, track my activity with top clients. So I'll be right. candid with you. I'm never going to visit that client in LA. They're not big enough. They're not doing enough for, and they couldn't. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, they, they're one of those clients that happened in our funnel by accident, and right. it's great. 
But we probably, as you look at Michigan or New Jersey or, you know, North Carolina, th those are clients, there, there are some that do warrant a visit. Okay. Okay. And it really has to do, I, I keep track of my activity income and SKU of each one of the last touches. So in that kind of what they call their sales target report, if mm -hmm. I'm saying, look, I want them to spend $25,000 or more a year, well, then I better, my activity better show it. Right. Yeah. And so if it's been a year, if it's been six months, if it's been whatever, and yeah. I haven't, then I reach out to them and go, hey, I'd love to to come and, to, and right. visit. Okay. But my big thing is I want to make sure it's worthwhile. And, mm -hmm. and you talk about this a lot. It's not, hey, I'm not driving eight hours to say, just here to check in. Yeah. Like I'm coming with the dog and pony show. We're going to have a purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is that fair? Yeah, no. So I think, for, again, obviously what they spend with you will factor into how Big far time. I go, right? Yeah, I mean, right. so it's some sort of weird uh, algorithm we can do in our heads. There's no real math to it. It's like, does, does it justify going out there? Right. To me, so when you have a, a large sales opportunity, if you're not making the effort to go see that prospect or client, you're really missing the boat. Yes. Um, and so, and I think you're saying the same thing. I also think there's a different perspective. When you're trying to save a relationship, mm. there's also sometimes a reason to say, you know what, I'm hopping on a plane, and I'm going to go see you. Yeah, you uh, I've I've done that in the past five months. I've done that one time. I I you know there was a a, a client relationship we had, and um, I wanted to come see them. They were hemming and hawing, and you know not sure this time would work, this would work, and this would work. And I just finally said, um, I'm going to be in your area. Um, I've already bought the plane tickets. This is when I'm going to be. Pick one of these three days, please. Yeah. And, and it worked. And because, and honestly, I think they really appreciate the fact that I was willing to come out there, spend uh, the money to do that. You know, spend time away from the office, and we had a wonderful conversation. It was a it was a really great conversation, and I think it strengthened our relationship. In fact, I know it did. So yeah. the fact that you can we can do that, um, I, I think the fact that you. You just got to know when it's time. You have to have some sort of internal, okay, yeah, I got to go. Got to yeah. go. Um, but, no, I love, loved your answer. Loved your answer. Cool, man. Thanks. All right. So we are at the promo person of the week, Kirby. You have the person this week, and it's dedicated to highlight that one person in the industry. That's grabbing our attention and making us take notice. Kirby, who is that for you this week, my friend? So this week, our promo person of the week, or my promo person of the week, is Paul Kiwi. So, oh, Kiwi. I know yeah, Paul. Yeah. And so I'm really excited. You talk about how they're making a difference. They're, they're, they're um, shaking things up in our industry. And you and I know Paul is going to be a part of the promo MBA thing that we are yep. a part of. And, uh, you know, whenever you're going to be a, a part of an event like this, and you and I know this, where it's like speaking is – I, I think we both love doing it, but it is a big mental <laughs> uh, yeah. commitment. Like, I can't wait to sit in on Paul's session so that I can get something out of him. I've seen him speak a few more times, yeah. uh, and every single time I leave feeling inspired. And um, he's one of those guys, his leadership at MIPA, his leadership at PPAI. Um, he continues to innovate, again, as a part of this. And so um, the when I think of the promo person of the week, I always try to go, okay, who is it that sort of is on my mind and inspiring me this week? And Paul is who came to mind. I love that. No, Paul is is not only a friend, um, and I'm lucky to count him as a friend. I know you are too. He is a tremendous leader in our industry, and he's done so much for so many. You talk about someone who's really mentored uh, uh, countless people 
Um, mm-hmm. he, he really is a true gem of a human being, and that's the best part of it. He's just such a good human. Yeah. Um, so, no, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So, Paul, when we're in San Diego for Promo MBA, <laughs> I will pack the extra box of virtual high fives for you. Not a problem. All right, Kirby, we're at our new segment. Yes. The best thing ever. And so I was really thinking, how do we do this differently? And I was actually going to ask you, what was the best disease you've ever gotten? (laughs) That seemed like a very weird question. So we're not going to do that one. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you know what the best disease you've ever gotten was? Um, (laughs) You don't have to answer that. It's a really dumb question. No, it's fine. I, I would, but go ahead. All right, Kirby. You're a voracious reader. Yes. I want to know the best book. It doesn't have to be biz- any book. Business, personal, pleasure, whatever. What's the best book you've ever read? Ender's Game Ender's by Game. Orson Scott Card. Okay. It is a fiction novel, science fiction. They actually made it into a book recently. Uh-huh. Um, I read it back when I it – like, it was probably written in the 80s or the 70s even. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a fiction novel about a young boy who named Andrew Wiggin, who um, essentially, long story short, has to try and save the world against an alien attack. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason, A, I've read it probably 20 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's extremely well written. I just love the whole sequencing of it. The, mm-hmm. the movie was bad. Um, but... Um, it was it inspired me to be a reader. Yeah. Okay. My my parents both read, but you know how it is. is in school, you get books and you're like, well, this kind of sucks. Yeah. And so I think so many people end up saying they don't like to read because of that. Well, mm-hmm. Ender's Game was the book where I was like, I couldn't put it down. Yeah. And so it like reignited that love of reading to me. So it, it holds a special place in my heart. I love that. No, mine is I actually have two, and I know we're not supposed to. Do that too. <laughs> I'll just do the one. I'll do one. I'll, no, that's I'll play fine. By, I'm gonna play by the rules. Um, I, I love to read as well. I don't read as much as I should or want to. Um, and I have a very bad habit of reading a book halfway through and then starting a different book. Um, <laughs> right? But my, my favorite book, uh, honestly, it's and I love Stephen King. I am mm. a huge Stephen King fan. Anybody who thinks he's a bad writer, uh, get over yourself. He is an incredible, <laughs> incredible writer. And he has so many different styles of writing that he writes. Um, my favorite book of his is actually 112263, uh, 11, which... Uh, kind of details about a time traveler who attempts to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Mm. Um, and it's a very interesting alternate take on, okay, so he saved, he was, if, he's, if he's able to save Kennedy's life, how does the world look differently? And I think it's a very interesting study and, you know, maybe things happen why, the way they're supposed to. And so I, I've read that book. It's an enormous book. It's, it's about 800, 900 wow. pages. It is not a small read. I've probably read that cover to cover four times. Wow. Um, it's, a, and it's an incredible book. I just, you know, one, one, that's just one I just love. And I love Stephen King. I will buy any Stephen King book because um, it's not all horror. It's a lot right. of, he, he's just an incredibly gifted writer, so. Awesome, great, man. Great, great answer with yours. And you uh, I think I think we're kind of at the d- end of the podcast where I'm okay. looking for the piece of paper where I've got to read something. So I'm kind of saying words. So Yeah, well, it has to do them. with Bam Bams and their, their custom yes. cap program, right? Kirby, you succinctly crystallized my thoughts into words. <laughs> Kirby, I know you've checked out that Bam Bams custom headwear program, right? We talk about it, fully custom caps designed by your team, their team, and delivered to your customer 30 days less from sample approval. Even better, Bam Bams has added factories in Vietnam, so they're not impacted by the tariffs moving forward. So if you want to learn more, go to BamBams.com, Stalker Custom. Let Bam Bams be your first and only thought for custom headwear. Ben Taylor and his team are definitely going to take care of you over there. Kirby, as always, a pleasure podcasting with you this fine morning. Right back at you, buddy.
Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.